Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack, FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to write in, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts, flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast. You can find all the old episodes. Gordon, thank you for taking a break from combing over all of the cross-country action this weekend to join me. No problem. Do have breaking news. Here, the here we go. Auburn cross country schedule has been released. Mm, hit me with it. You ready for this? Yes. They open up their season this weekend at the Commodore Classic. Boom. Then two weekends later, they go to the Florida State Invitational, which is live on Flow Track. Mm. Then they round out their regular season with the Blazer Classic, which is hosted by UAB which is low-key going to be the biggest cross-country meet of the season. Mm. And then SEC's in October. But uh, Tell me more. I'm, looking, I'm trying to get together all the cross-country schedules for our limited season. Obviously, it's, it's uh, SEC, ACC, SEC, SEC, ACC, Big 12, Sun Belt, Conference USA. The Power 5. Then there's a couple. That's the real there's a Power couple, 5 right there that you just named. Yeah, real power five. Then there's a couple like schools where their conference is canceled, but they're still going for it. Like Abilene Christian. No one checked on them. No one checked on them. Abilene Christian's like, yeah, we know our conference. What conference is Abilene Christian in? I'm trying to bring it up. Uh, they're in a Southland conference. They're still having. They're still hosting meets. Uh, another team that's still hosting meets, it's like, screw it, is uh, – uh, the Army, Navy, Air Force, right? Yeah, yeah. Even though their conference is canceled. But more importantly, this morning, news broke. The Big Ten football is back after not being back because of science, right? Because apparently something changed a month later, a.k.a. nothing changed. Just public pressure got to them. No, they got the rapid uh, test. But, they got the rapid test. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, it was... They're going to pretend it's all these scientific reasons, but really it's we uh Gordon Mack does we not believe them. in medical breakthroughs. Interesting. From a Johns Hopkins graduate. That's interesting. Yeah, no. I believe in made-up medical breakthroughs just to cover your ass for canceling a season early the on. Tests aren't real. Anyway. Interesting. All right. Anyway, uh, the, in the press release that the Big Ten announced – they said updates regarding fall sports other than football as well as winter sports that begin in the fall will be announced shortly. At a later date. No. Okay. Darn. <laughs> Haven't heard that one yet. Definitely think they're going to get but, right on it. I think that's their priority is definitely those But other here's sports. the thing, though. They said updates. Like, they didn't say it's canceled. So – what I'm trying to say is there's a chance that Big Ten cross country could be back on back on like back on the map. We could be having October twenty fourth conference gonna, of action. They're gonna start October twenty fourth and then end October twenty fifth. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's gonna be great. I mean I could see them just throwing up the Big Ten championships sometime in November. Hosted at Minnesota, R. I. P. It'll be great. More Griak. Interesting. But uh yeah, I did text a Big Ten coach. And I said, "If with football back, are you are you back as well?" And he texted me three fingers crossed emojis because that's how we communicate now these days in emojis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I asked if you think football being back would make Minnesota change their mind. No. And. Uh, He's he's he was kind of very like hedging, saying, "I don't know." This is the coach of Minnesota. I, I hope. Is that who you were texting? It wasn't okay. the coach from Minnesota, but I was just asking, like, as a fellow Big Ten coach, yeah, 
Yeah. But what do you think? Do you think if uh, Minnesota might have a change of heart now that no Big Ten football is coming back? No, you didn't. You and I talked about this. This does not. This does not have anything to do with the pandemic. This was the pandemic was used as a reason to get rid of it. But I think all these programs, they were going to get, they were on the chopping block anyway, and this just accelerated that timetable. When you look at actually how much money it costs, so no, I do not. I do not think. But I don't think they may change their mind, but I don't think it's going to because going to be because they're playing eight football games now in the fall. I don't think that's going to. Yeah, but the whole thing is the reason why they're doing this is because of the budgetary shortfall. But that shortfall now is drastically different with having eight Minnesota football games. No. No, man, you choose really strange things to not be about cons- to not be conspiratorial about, and then. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think if they wanted to keep the program, they would have kept the program regardless of whether or not they were going to play football. They could have gotten through one season with no football and kept, kept the running programs if they wanted to keep the running programs. That's what I think. Again, I don't know that for sure, but it seems pretty clear to me. I can be, pr- okay. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm a hundred percent wrong. I hope that tomorrow they reinstate all of it. But I don't think... You know, that's a great phrase. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. That, I live my life under that maxim. But I just... Again, I don't, I don't think eight, eight football games... What, I'm guessing four are home, four are away. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. yeah. Um, that would be an accurate way to split up a regular season with eight football games. I don't know, games. man. It's a Big Ten. Maybe some teams are going to get seven and one. Maybe they're going to just gonna draw the short end of the stick. Uh well, if they were smart, they would only host have games in stadiums where fans are allowed. Well, right now they're not allowing fans in any stadiums except for parents, I saw. Okay. So. But you know what I mean? Technically, that would be the best way to make money for the conference as a whole is spread out the gate ticket money for only stadiums that bring in 25, 30% capacity. Yeah. My operating principle is as a whole, the Big Ten is not strapped scrap for cash as a whole. And if they want to keep things, they can keep things. That's my Got that's it. my thing. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But let, you're bearing the lead. Let's get back here to the Blazer Classic. Let's really dig in on this one. <laughs> you said it's going to be the biggest meet of the year. What? Why is that? Uh, because it is. It's going to have the most teams. Well, I know that. Uh, I understand I'll, why a meet is big. I'm just saying, why are so many people going to this meet? I think it's because it's in Alabama and a lot of that's like a cross section of the SEC and Sunbelt and Conference USA. Mm-hmm. Here are the teams that are going. There are now 20 confirmed teams. You ready for this list? Yeah. Let's do it. You got Auburn. You got Charlotte. Mm-hmm. You got Florida. Okay. Look at that. Power five school. Yep. Florida Atlantic. Mm-hmm. You got Georgia. Okay. Georgia State. Georgia Tech. Get that trio of Georgias. Then you got Kentucky and Louisville. Not Louisville, Kentucky, but Kentucky and Louisville. Then you got Mercer. No low-key Mercer showing up. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, great program. Mississippi State. Ole Miss. A, Ole Miss showing up. Wally Suleiman going to mm-hmm. take that victory. Yeah, yeah. South Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, Troy, University of Alabama, Birmingham, and Vanderbilt. Okay. 20 teams. Yeah, it's a lot of teams. Did, it's a, it's the new pre-nets. And you wait, you said Alabama, right? No, South Alabama. Mm. What? So Alabama is actually going to host an Alabama Invitational the same weekend in Tuscaloosa, which would be near where this meet is, which is them and Florida State. Will that be the world's first chance to see on the cross-country course your favorite runner this year? Will she be running that meet, you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, she's going to make her debut. Alabama makes their debut at the Van, at the Commodore Classic on Saturday. Okay. We're going to see my, my favorite runner on Saturday. Yeah. And you're updating the rankings. Is there a chance that she ends the year number one? It's a very good chance. If she goes undefeated. She's number one. Yeah. We're referring, of course, to Mercy Chilangat. Oh, oh, Gordon's favorite runner in the NCAA. All I'm saying is tune into the Friday pod because it's going to be great. I'm not on it, but you guys are going to do a uh, extensive yeah, yeah. 
cross-country weekend preview. Because we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 cross-country meets with D1 participation. Well, Division one and there's some meets on Thursday, so it'll be a recap preview. It'll be a recap view, too. It'll be just a cross-country party on Friday. It's going to be great. <coughs> yeah, I'm looking at your... I'm looking at your rankings here. Now, unless Minnesota comes back for the women and, and runs this year, Chilangat would be number one. Yeah. Joyce Camelli, number two. Oh, no, sorry. Kelly Logue, number two. And then Joyce Camelli, number three. Dude, the Auburn, Alabama, Camelli versus Chilangat battle at the, it, at the SECs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Iron Bowl. We don't that even need like that football game must anymore. See TV. They could cancel that football game. Get rid of it. <laughs> Cross country can carry the weight this year. Chalangat, Camelli. Woo! Exactly. Oh, man. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. So, we'll we'll get into the cross country season. We have, all, don't worry, we have all fall long to talk about uh, 20. Two percent cross country. I got. I got more. To, I have more questions. I have ten more questions on cross country before we move on. Uh, number one. Uh, no. So tell people how you're going to do the rankings moving forward. How? Yeah. Well, that's a trade secret. It's a proprietary. Uh, no, I mean, are you going to include teams that are? Is BYU going to be able to stay number one? No, they're gone. So <laughs> here's the thing: rankings will change on Monday next week. And this is your chance to be top 25, let me tell you, because <laughs> there's a lot of top 25 teams that I'm going to drop out. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to – so we had our preseason rankings released a few weeks ago. Top 25 teams, individuals, and also top 250 individuals. So we went 250 Not deep. 255? No. Why not? I, I, I cut it off at 250. This is your chance to be 255, and you just ruined it for them. Why? Why did you do that? Pandemic year. All right, we got to make some changes. So, top 250, 250 uh, will also be updated as well. But the new rankings the, will be based off what happens this upcoming weekend. Mm-hmm. And if you are on a school that is not competing, you're out of the rankings. So, it's going to be fun to see me debate, you know, whether or not, you know, Georgia Tech – an Abilene Christian move up or not. People are going to be itching for this content. I'm excited. But what about if you just don't run this week, but you're planning on running? Do you stay in the rankings? Well, yeah, for sure. You know, because, uh, I mean, Oklahoma State is resting this weekend. Texas is resting. You get you want to know the teams that are resting? Yes. Hit me with Oklahoma the resting State, teams. Oklahoma State, Texas, Arkansas State, Arkansas Little Rock, Army, Boston College, Duke, Navy, North Carolina, Middle Tennessee State, Rice, South Alabama, TCU, Texas State, Troy, UAB. Okay, this is the worst podcast ever. I am just listing off random schools. Let's talk about we'll, – we'll get we'll get into cross country later on in the season. Let's talk about track. We have – I don't know, man. I, I know you want to move on, but I'm really kind of – I want to know the idle teams on week four. No, man. We can't do this. <laughs> we can't Wade do Van Niekerk's back. Wade Van Niekerk's back. Yo, what did you think of Wade's race? I thought he got off to a massively slow start. And then I saw on his Instagram and his caption was that he forgot how to run a race because he got past Gordon. The, like they made the stagger up. The inside lane made up the stagger on Wade Van Niekirk on the first turn. And I don't know if that's ever happened in his career. So when I was watching this race, I thought, oh, my gosh, this might be it for Wade Van Niekirk. He might run. 50 point and that's going to be a sad end to this tale but he closed the gap he closed the gap he closed the gap and then coming to the last hundred he was about three or four people back and then he came through and and got the win ran 45 58 not his best time of his life because that's hard to do if you're the world record holder but i think he went fast enough to where you're thinking okay maybe next year more races he can get back to to the medal the medalist level, but there were some nervous moments for me in the early stages of that race where I thought, Oh my gosh, maybe this is just completely it. And we're watching it. And right before our very eyes. Yeah. I mean, 
it makes sense. You kind of it's sometimes a weird thing. Like you f- kind of forget the mental cues of like, oh no, you're supposed to run faster. Like you just forget. Like mm-hmm. it's like you ever have that dream where you feel like you can't like you're you're running in slow motion. Yep. Like, you feel like you're running as fast as you can, but you're not going anywhere. I feel like he probably had that, but in real life, of, like, not telling his body, oh, you actually can go faster. Oh, oh like, it's not a 200-meter stride. I felt like he probably thought he was striding and realized, oh, no, I had to race. I wonder what the mental impact was of his injury. Because we've heard before people who come back, they're a little more cautious with it. They don't want to take risks. Now, he tore his knee up, which... It's a traumatic injury, but different than a, an Achilles or a hamstring, usually in terms of how people respond to it. But I wonder if that's at all in the back of his mind at any point in his race. Maybe the start, maybe the first part he's checking off mentally. Okay, I feel good. Now I can go from there. But, yeah, you're, you're right. I just the, the race intensity from the get-go wasn't there but still came through and got the win. It's, just, it's really hard now, though, because he has to get back almost to where he was to compete for a gold medal next year because you figure what's the slowest that you could run next year and get gold. Assuming the track in Tokyo is reasonably quick and it's reasonably good conditions. You think at least 43 mid, right? Yeah, for sure. I just feel like he should, I mean, no one, it's just going to be so hard, man, to get back to like where he was. Mm -hmm. If he does, that would be one of the most impressive comebacks, I think. Yeah. Um, but like with the influx of this, all this new talent that, I mean, he was last good in what twenty seventeen, would you yeah. say? Yeah. So who is now in the picture that wasn't in the picture in twenty seventeen? Norman. Norman. Gardner. Gardner was still there. Yeah. Not. But like, who's like the he new new kids on the though. block? Uh, well, I think it's mostly Norman, right? I mean, Curly was still there. Curly was there in seventeen. That's not that's not new. I mean, Zambrano, the guy who got the surprise silver in in Doha, you could put him in there. I think though, again, for him to be competitive for the gold, he needs to be sub forty four. And if he's sub forty four, that's going to take care of itself. He's just he's he's gonna be he's gonna be uh, there, there's not that many people who are gonna run sub forty four next year but I just don't expect Norman I think Norman is gonna be on fire again next year I think so and I think he's gonna figure out the end of the season issues he's not gonna he's not gonna come in banged up this time another race uh, at that meet kind of low key like a PR low key. Was Aaron Mallett, former Iowa Hawkeye, mm. in the hurdles, ran thirteen thirty four, which is the third fastest time in the U.S. Grant Holloway's won thirteen nineteen, Freddie Crittenden mm-hmm. thirteen thirty, and Aaron Mallett thirteen thirty four. Mallett, now that's a big PR. Can Mallett obviously you have Holloway and Roberts? Mallett might now be in that conversation to get in that top three uh with credit in and allen it's gonna be like uh fascinating i know this is kind of like a a very indented of an indented of an indented of a storyline like it's like the subset subset mm-hmm. of a storyline is the battle for third in the men's hurdles at the olympic trials next year because holloway and roberts are guaranteed most likely one too but credit in now Aaron Mallett and Devin Allen are all in that thirteen thirties. Yeah. So it'll be kinda of interesting to see who who shows up. So I like dude, I'm all about the indented stories. That's why we led with what's the Blazer Classic gonna be like this year on, on the cross country course. I think I think you're hundred percent right. I think you characterize it correctly. The thing though, with the high hurdles, you always have to say that something could happen to one of those two guys. It's it's not it's not like an eight hundred or fifteen hundred or even a hundred or two hundred where you're like okay the favorites are probably gonna go go through so one point yeah, you could have a Kenny Harrison yeah happen. yeah I feel like one point five there's like one point five locks in the men's high hurdles if that makes sense 
Like, like one of the two, I at least get it. Yeah. yeah, and I and in most scenarios, I think both will get in. But you're right. So at the very least, you have to go into that meet. I think being able to run, you know, so you need to be sub thirteen thirty, wouldn't you say? Yeah, on that day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I could see a scenario where there's like a Holloway Roberts one two, where they run right under thirteen. Or right at thirteen, and then there's a you know point one five second gap or something back to second place or third place, excuse me. And then there's you know places three through eight all coming across the line between thirteen two and and thirteen four something like that. But yeah, you're right. It'll be an inter- no one's emerged as that third third person. I mean, Allen obviously has been um, been there over the past couple of years. Crittenden's run well. Uh, Jared Eaton's run well, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe Aaron Mallett's turn. Uh, did you see the results from um, Zagreb? I don't know if you watched it. Lab one was on live. Did you watch it? I know Lincoln did. Uh, no, mm. I did not watch it. I'm looking at the results now. Uh, one thing I want to say is I was listening to the podcast yesterday. Yeah. And you guys were dunking on uh, you, Robert Johnson and me. Robert Johnson's... Uh, Olympic trials is more important take, uh, which was very – which I agreed on you. I would have enjoyed the dunk fest on that. Uh, and you're talking about who does Oregon have. They do have James West. Just ran 334. Got second here in this 1500. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's PR for him. Yeah. He could make a, an Olympic team. Look, you're going to find no bigger fan of James West than me. Like how you how hard you pull for Mercy Chalanga is how hard I pull for James West because I was in Sacramento when he got DQ'd for false starting on the West Prelim fifteen hundred and I thought he should have been reinstated and I thought that was egregious. However, I don't think you should build the entire NCAA season over whether or not James West is fresh to make the team. <laughs> also, I agree. He could make the team, but that's a hard team to make. The British fifteen hundred meter team is hard right now. Yeah, it could it's low key that I think the hardest team to make, maybe. In Great Britain? In no, I would say, man, okay, no, it's not the hardest <laughs> team to make in the in the world. What would you say is the hardest team to make in the world? Well, I think the Kenyan steeple team is really hard for the men and for the women. I think that's tough. Uh, I think women. You think that's the hardest? Is the Kenyan men's steeple harder to make than the women's men women's steeple in the U.S.? Yes, yes, it is. You could argue Kenyan women's steeple versus U.S. women's steeple, um, but the the depth is the depth is impressive in both. Uh, well, my definition of hard to make is so it, the making the women's steeple Olympic team is not hard for Emma Coburn, right? No, you're talking. You got to think about fourth place. My, the hardest team to make is how hard is it for the fourth place, the fourth best athlete to make the yeah, team? Yeah, relative to the world, though, right? No, yeah, well, because you can't. No, relative to because because then because if you're not saying relative to the world, you're just saying what event has the biggest gap between three and four. Doesn't really matter how that's fast. That's true. I mean, yes, the U.S. women ha- steeplers have three women. Okay, who has the best fourth place? Yeah. Okay. Th- that's yeah. That's a better better way to phrase it. I mean, I think Ethiopia and the men's five thousand. Uh, I think U.S. women's four meter hurdlers would be. In there as well too, because you'll have. I think you could you could make an argument for the men's fifteen hundred being Great Britain. Let's bring up twenty nineteen times in the men's fifteen hundred. Let's update GBR. Yeah. But this is where James I'm saying West. relative to the world, none of them medaled. That's I mean that's great that three of them made the final, but none of them medaled. What do you mean? But the the thing is though, like. You have Charlie Grice, who's a three thirty guy. Jake Whiteman, who is what now? What is he now? Uh, is he he ran well in that eight hundred yesterday. I'm not sure. He's fast. He ran. He was in the Monaco, right? He's three twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. So he's, you have a Charlie Grice, who's three thirty. You have a three twenty nine guy in uh, in Whiteman. Then you have Josh Kerr, who is a three thirty two guy, who also was what did he get in Doha? Six yeah. in Doha. Yep. So you have a guy who got six in Doha. You have a three thirty guy, a three twenty nine guy. Then you also have um, 
What's his name? Oh, Tulsa. Chris O'Hare. Chris O'Hare, who's like a low 330 guy. I understand that. That's that's pretty impressive. Okay, you could say they have the deepest – you could say they have the deepest 1,500-meter team in the world. But again, you're not leaving off medalists. And in these other events, you're leaving off medalists. Like what? Like what event? Like the women's 400-meter hurdles in the U.S. You're leaving off a medalist. Kenyan men's marathon teams, they're going to leave off medalists from the, yeah. from their from their squad. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of it because they go so much deeper. Listen, Great Britain is great, and when Josh Kerr was on the pod with you and Lincoln, didn't he mention how the U.S. that that, that he thinks they're better than the U.S. fifteen hundred squad right now? Yeah, and at first I was like, uh, okay, whatever, but he's like right. He's he's correct right now. But here's a stat for you, Gordon. You like stats? When's the last time? A British man not named Mo Farah has got a major championship medal outdoors in a distance race on the track. <laughs> That's a good sub sub outdoors distance race on a well, track. Okay, it's nineteen eighty eight. Eight hundred, fifteen hundred, steeple, five k, ten k in every world championships and every Olympics. It's been Mo Farah. That's it since nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. You know how many championships there's been since nineteen eighty eight? Quite a few. And the men have zero. Yeah, medals. but you could also they're gonna win stuff. I'm saying that he's right. Josh Kerr is right. Right now, they have they'll they'll probably send a stronger team, one through three to Tokyo, but they have to win. They right, have to hold, win hold on, eventually, they have to get a medal. Someone besides Farah has to get a medal. Who? How many Americans have won gold, 800 and up besides Centro and Brazier? I didn't say gold. I said medal. When I say win something, oh. I mean literally get a medal. Get some piece of hardware coming back. Okay. They've had zero except for Farah. Now, that's a huge caveat because Farah has 10 gold medals again. But, yes, the U.S. has, has had a whole bunch of medals but, during that time. I was thinking gold. Because if you think about gold, the U.S. has only had two? Who's the last person to win gold that's not Brazier or Centro? The last person? In a, in a distance race? Yeah. Uh, ooh, ah, yeah, you have to go way back. You have to go way back. But again, I'm not talking gold. <laughs> Isn't that wild? You wouldn't think that, but I guess it makes sense. Well, U.S. distance running is a, for the men, is... I mean, we sucked, like, 12 years ago. We were we were ass. Well, that was how we were. That was, that yeah. was the, uh... That, that, that was the, the, the status quo. This is the, the the abnormal stuff so we're talking about just the men right so the men the 72 in the 800 with waddle 1500 obviously they didn't have one since 1908 famously the the old cub streak there 5k was 1964 10k was 64 as well too marathon 1972 so since the 70s yeah but again i'm talking i'm it was. I never said gold. I said just okay. a any sort of medal. Uh, now I'm looking at the. Oh, I should look at the world championships too, huh? Well, yeah. in any way, I, I don't think I'm missing anybody. That's wild that U.S. men have only had two global. Oh, sorry, Legat oh seven. Oh, okay, There's doubled one. up. They've had three global medalists. Three gold global gold medalists. Since the seventies, yeah, and it's twenty twenty. So the seventies are like forty years ago. They're not. They're like, it's not like thirty years ago, or it's fifty years ago I in can, a way. I yeah. can confirm that that statistic is true. In fifty years, U.S. men's distance running has three gold medals. That's wild. Yeah, you thought it would be higher. Well, it's just like. Aren't we supposed to be the best, man? Come Distance on. running? No, I, if you had told me, <laughs> but if you had told me in 2006 that the U.S. That is, makes a lot more sense. That the U.S. is going to get yeah. three gold medals, I'd be like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. And I think, I, I think it's fair to look beyond gold. I think it's fair to look at the whole medal picture because the – Yeah, because we now you have Jagger getting medals, mm-hmm. right? You have, you know, some people getting third in the 1,500, yeah, yeah 800, right? Yeah. Clayton Murphy getting third in the Olympics. Leo, Chalimo, Leo, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, so it's a little different, yeah. but yeah. Again, no no, 
no no slight on Great Britain. I think they're great right now, but I I think they have to produce when it when it counts with actual metal. They got to take that next step. Do you low key like saying I think Great Britain's great? Oh, because it's as it like it's great twice. Joke on the name, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I pride myself on not being repetitive, so it's uh, okay. It's a it's a strike against me. Any other results? Hopple was fourth. Speaking of Great Britain, Daniel Roden won the the men's eight hundred. So a new British star is born. They're going to get really excited about him. And they went one two three in that one. He went one forty four oh nine. Hopple was fourth in that one forty four ninety five. It was Hopple's second race of the year, but I feel like when you're taking this many this big of breaks, it's just you're just doing a different season debut. Just like a season debut, and then a, a season debut a month later. I don't know how much benefit he got from that being a second race. It's kind of funny. I mean, I guess Adidas doesn't have that ten race contract clause for Hopple. <laughs> Are you saying if he went to the AP Ranch, he'd have been sharper? Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, that's probably why Donovan ran a lot, right? He's probably he got ten races in. All of he the... didn't know that you could just jog eight hundreds and and six hundreds. <laughs> it's like no one told me this. I'm out here trying to break yeah. world records in the 600. I could have just gone to – I could have just showed up to one of these big friendlies and run a bunch of races, jogged for events. Are you worried about Hopple? We no. got to ask – we got to have Lincoln back on as the Hopple whisperer to let him know about Hopple. This race was weird. You didn't watch this one either. Guess what Wesley Vasquez did? What did he do? Went out in the back. Plot, Whoa. plot twist. Yeah. It didn't work for him. And I think the whole rest of the field was confused because they expected Wesley Vasquez to be out front. They probably all like stopped and tried to turn around and go the opposite direction. They're like, wait, if he's in the back, that means we're running the wrong direction. <laughs> they thought it was a, a false start and they had to go back and turn around. They went through in a huge pack uh, north of 50 seconds. It wasn't completely pedestrian, but it certainly wasn't as quick as they thought. And I think that caused it to be a little jumbled up because Hopple was there with hundred to go. Just didn't have the, didn't have the close. But again, it's just, he ran so well in, in Monaco in the debut, but doesn't Monaco feel almost a season ago at this point? It does. It, it feels weird. It's like, that was like where we, Monaco was like the first race of like track is yeah. back because it was the first, like, Full fields, multiple events. It wasn't just one, like, race. And everyone was, like, in Europe, and they were all flying to a location. And we're like, whoa, it's happening. Track is back. Uh, but I feel like it's been, like, a slow burn ever since. Like, less and less relevant people are racing or they're doing more one-offs. Looking at the schedule, there's, what, only three track meets, relevant track meets left? Would you say? I'm seeing... Well, we have Rome tomorrow. And then in two weeks, we have uh, the Continental Tour finale in Nairobi, Kenya. Isn't the- And then in three weeks, we have Doha. So there's no Rabat Diamond League? No. Okay. They need to update their website. And there's no other Continental Tours. That's it. So there's only one more Continental Tour, and there's two more Diamond Leagues. That Continental Tour is in Nairobi, Kenya. I'm interested to see who shows up. Yeah, because that's at altitude, right? Yeah. So it's like, what advantage? I mean, the distance races are just going to be interesting. I mean, I'm sure Chariot would run. I mean, the Kenyan guys would probably all run, right? You know what's weird is like there's no, we don't have a ton of meets to go off, like high-profile worldwide meets in Kenya to go off of to know whether or not that's going to attract a crowd. I would assume yes, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I hope that, yeah, Nairobi's at just under 6,000 feet. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at this Rome list. It's just so, and we've talked about this before. It's just so interesting how some events just were great this year and some events never got off the ground and no one wanted to play. And they're just, they kept having them. And maybe one or two people showed up at, at one meet. So the the yearly best time is okay. It's not terrible. But there's a lot of events here, Gordon, where these people are not going to get in another Diamond League meet for the rest of their life probably. And I'm, yeah, I'm that, happy I was thinking about that. I'm happy that they're getting their chance. But my goodness. 
the pandemic has given opportunities for these uh, sub elite athletes to, you know, cosplay as a diamond league athlete. That's a strong take. I, especially the, especially European athletes because they're easier to, to, to travel over there. But like, do you think there's an event that I could have like, no say like, Hey, I could be the American representative and they would let me in. I mean, it's just, it's just wild. You have, uh, in this women's hundred, you have five women with personal bests north of 11 seconds, which again, you, I mean, you run 11 low. It's, that's a, that's a good mark. That's a good time. But you know, in that same race, you have Elaine Thompson, who's now Elaine Thompson, hurrah, with a 10, a 10.7 PR, Tolu with a 10.85. It's just the, the disparity in here is, is pretty stark. I'm looking at the men's 100. You have uh, Mike Rogers, who just picked up a win yesterday in Zagreb, and, and Sambine in there, Cisse, Mario Burke, but then Dennis Almaz from Germany, 10.08. Uh, Marcel Lamont Jacobs, 10.03 from Italy. Mohamedou Fall, 10.2 from from France. It's just, I don't know, it's just interesting. Interesting to see. So I'm, gonna look, I'm looking at the current men's top 10 2020 lists, mm-hmm. right, outdoor. And I'm trying to think, like, uh, what, what would be the easiest event for me to be a, to market myself to the Doha Diamond League meet director? Hey. I'm a top 10 athlete in the U S you should let me race. Yeah. So let's talk about odds of me being top 10 in these events. So hundred, a top 10 mark is 10 Oh nine. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's respectable. Okay. Right. The 200, a top 10 mark is 20.7. That's, that's pretty slow. Yeah. Not slow enough for you, but no. Yeah. But so <laughs> I mean, what I, you need to do though, here's what you need to ask yourself is not, how do you measure up along the season bests? It's could you keep up close enough for the first five percent before grabbing your hamstring and then falling to the track and just saying, "There you go, oh, man! I had it! I had it too! I had a great start." Yeah, and I could low key have like an entry time that they're gonna just have to believe because it's a pandemic, and I'd be like, "Sorry, like it was this low key me, you yeah, know, lane filler there." Gordon Mack. I have a piece of paper with the time on it. Hey, that's what I did. So 2072, that's – okay. Now imagine me as like a legit athlete, like a legit – I think like, that's your event, by the way, though. I think 20, put you in lane eight. 22-year-old post-NCA athlete, right? Yeah. 2072 is pretty slow. 400 is 46-6. That's not good. There's a lot of people who could maybe get a football player to run 46 yeah, low. Yeah, yeah. For sure. 800 is 147-9. Like, yeah, that's that's the 1500s kind of low key, pretty good. 337 in Monaco. Yeah. 147, 800, though. That is that's surprisingly slow, even for 5K. 1344. Really? To be top 10 in the 5K in the U.S. 1344. Oh, you're looking in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. So this is all like how to market yourself as a top 10 U.S. athlete in an event. You know, because I think thirteen forty four. That's pretty. I slow. think your move is you get in the two hundred, you get in the outermost lane, so it already looks like you're ahead for people watching at home. You get out of the blocks, you do your five best strides, and then you just go to the ground. And I think. Oh, dude! I found I found my spot. Here we go. You ready for this? One ten hurdles. I could say I'm a top ten one ten hurdler in the U.S. if I run fourteen sixteen. Wow. Oh, 400 hurdles, 53.08. This has been illuminating. Okay, wait. Well, I got five. Yeah, one more. Triple jump. Triple jump. Triple jump, 14.95 meters. Okay. Maybe I could, throw, I could, I could maybe triple jump 14.95. If you're looking to no? get into Doha, Lincoln and I were in Doha for two weeks. You can pretty much do whatever you want there. Oh, here we go. Decathlon. There's only one guy who's thrown a de- done a decathlon. I just got to show up. Put a mark down in 10 events, and I could say I'm the second best decathlete in the country. Mm-hmm. Let me into one of your races. That's what you got to do. I just got or hey, race walk. Just go for a walk around my neighborhood. Boom. Number one race walker in the in the. Wait, US. there hasn't been a single race walk. 
or a race rock of note. I think the ranking system says, hey, we're not going to take your daily pandemic walk around the block as a result. So you have to actually race walk pretty fast to get counted. Mm. The whole purpose of this exercise is showing that like there's some people who will never in their life ever get to say they finished an entire outdoor season with a top 10 mark in the U.S. Uh-huh. And that's kind of funny. That's kind of cool. Like ever. Like Brian Ninoli, mm-hmm. like a ver- this kid, Brian Ninoli of Santa Barbara can just forever be like, hey, <laughs> I'm top 10 in the U.S. Yeah, sure, Christian Taylor jumps, you know, two and a half meters farther than me, but hey, top 10. Mm-hmm. Do you have a Warholm prediction for tomorrow? My prediction is that you and Lincoln will talk about it for like 35 minutes. Well, the race is tomorrow, so and I'm not on the pod tomorrow. You and Lincoln are on there. Oh, it's yeah. on me? So Lincoln will talk about it for 35 minutes. Uh, my prediction is he runs 47 point. Two three. Mm. All right, he's just given forty seven point for re- like world records not happening. Interesting. Uh, he's I think he's tapped out. I think he's only gonna run forty seven lows for the rest of the time. Okay. I, if anything, he should probably run in in uh he, in Kenya. He should the decathlon. Will that count? Yes. Why wouldn't it count? <laughs> Because aren't times faster in Kenya for sprints? Oh, altitude? I mean, you get a little A by your name, but it still it still counts for record purposes. Wait, but I guess technically they say the 400 harder at altitude. That's the – Oh, no, they say it's the easier. Cross, they're, they're, right? still a, they're still a – that your converter te- checks down, doesn't it? Like on indoor? I guess it does check down, yeah. Or checks up for qualifying yeah, purposes. I'm, but, yeah, maybe he's thinking low-key – I just got to do it in Kenya, and then that will get me the world. That will be the – Will that kind of ruin it, though, no. a bit if he does it at That will be the perfect end to the season. Carson Warholm running a four-meter hurdles in Kenya with nobody else on the track and running ridiculously fast would be we, – we would end the – the 2020 track season should end at that point. That would be amazing. Well, it would because that is the final meet of the okay. season. Get, Everybody ends, even if, if the Big Ten has to stop. I don't care if they've re- <laughs> created a new season. On a different planet. They got to stop. It's over if Warholm does that. That would be pretty wild. Maybe he is eyeing that meat, though. I could see that. Yeah, he usually doesn't leave Europe. That would be surprising. Um, last thought before we go. Do you want to say anything about the Clippers? Oh, man. That made me feel good. But here's the problem with the whole NBA. The NBA... Fi- like, I'm... I, So... I need the Lakers to win, and here's why. Because if the if the Nuggets win, everyone is going to be saying Nikola Jokic is better than Embiid, and I can't have that. I can't have this fat white dude be better than Joel Embiid the process. So we can't have that. So I need LeBron to win for that reason. I can't have Jimmy Butler winning for the Heat. Oh, that'd be bad for because you. That'd be very bad. For that you. makes us look yeah. bad. That. Because then Joel Embiid's like, hey, I want to join you. And it's just like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And then Boston. You can't have Boston win because it's Boston. So, like, I got a 25% chance of happiness. I kind of like LeBron. I was like, I want LeBron to get more rings. And if he's going to get one, get it on a time when we're not relevant in the middle of a pandemic. So, like. Interesting. Can you guess which of the four teams remaining I'm rooting for? So up between Denver, Lakers, Boston, and Miami, the Heat. As a San Antonio Spurs fan, and there is a slight Spurs, there is a slight Spurs connection. I'll give you that hint to my slight r- Spurs rooting connection. interest. It's not, it's not the major reason I'm doing it, but it is. It, it definitely helps. Cheer for Denver? No. Who? Miami Celtics, baby. Celtics, lead green and white. Ugh. Team USA last summer. Pop coach four of them. I mean- oh, okay, that's <laughs> that is stupid. No, I uh, I'm not a Butler guy. 
Um, obviously, Lakers, no. And Denver pissed me off last year because they beat the Spurs in seven, and I'm not a not a big Jokic fan. Were you happy seeing Kawhi lose, though? It made you feel Dude, good. Dude, did you watch into that game? Yeah. Did that not remind you? They, they were ass. <laughs> and Denver was fine. Denver played well. They played like a competent NBA team. The Clippers played like a March Madness team that was heavily favored, and then everything went wrong, and they just forgot how to play. It was nuts the last quarter. I mean, Paul George hit the side of the backboard on a three and then missed another. Like, they completely choked, and I don't say that in the hot takey way of everything is a choke if you don't do well. They, like, legitimately choked. Well, they they, they were up. having like an out of – they were having like an out of body experience. It's like, this isn't the way it's supposed to end. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we're supposed we're supposed to at least make it to the conference finals. Like, yeah, I like because every time they never run their full lineup the entire regular yeah, season yeah, yeah. and during the bubble was all being like it's all about the end game and they never got the end game and it was kind of like wait a minute. Did we did we screw this whole thing up? Yeah. You know, so it's like I don't really have any. Well, I mean, I've put a lot of feelings about Kawhi in the past. It's more just like a Clippers thing. I'm not a big fan of the Clippers in general, nor nor the Lakers. So, but but again, I wasn't too like if they were losing to a team that, um, I actually was like behind a little bit. But see, the problem is this year it's just been every option has been bad. Once your team's not in the playoffs, and then I I, I was pulling for the Bucks. So once they got knocked out it's like man these are there's not many options left. like if the sixers were in if it was the sixers heat uh denver lakers i legit would not watch i don't think i would be able to stomach that that would be just intolerable you don't like the sixers you haven't gathered that from our relationship you like the no sixers. i kind of liked him and then i met you and then that pushed me over the top of like this guy's obnoxious <laughs> i can't no well i'm all in now back i'm back all in on the phillies there's only 12 days left of the regular season isn't that crazy? I'll like baseball playoffs. Coming. Do you know when I'll like the Sixers again? It doesn't have anything to do what? with you, actually. I'll like the Sixers again when we don't have to hear about the process for at least two or three years. When you guys actually like try, like the last two years or whatever, three years you guys have tried, which is cool, and you've lost, and it sucks, and you've taken your lumps. But like another two years of actually like going to the playoffs and not having to hear about you on every single NBA podcast constantly about what's going on. And does this person like that person? I think I won't openly cheer for you, but in this situation when there's a lot of other teams I don't like left, I would probably pull for you guys. So you have that to look forward to. Okay. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Uh, yeah, man. Sports have been treating me not nicely. It's been rough for the, you. The freaking Eagles losing to the a football team. Literally a football team, and then Phillies losing five of seven to Miami. Uh, obviously Sixers. It's just not fun. Sportsman is really one thing I like about track is that like I can enjoy the sport without emotional pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Well, isn't that the case? Kind of all individual sports with you. Yeah, I, mean, I was I guess. when I was growing up, I was really into tennis, and I loved Pete Sampras. And when he would lose at a, at a major, I was as angry as I was when my team lost. But since then, I can't think of another individual athlete that I've been that behind, where I cared that much. Do you think it's just different? Is there an individual athlete that you would emotionally just feel it a bit if they didn't make the Olympics? In track or in any sport? In track. No, not really. Like I'd be bummed if like something happened to Kipchoge, obviously. But just but that's just because it's like you don't think he necessarily deserves it, but you do have this <clears throat> idea of how it ends in your head. Um, like Bolt, like I thought Bolt was going to lose in 2015 to Gatlin that year. I'm like on record all summer as saying Bolt's going to lose. Bolt's going to lose. Like red flag, red flag, red flag. But I got to admit, when he finally got beat, it's not like I was like, yeah, he got beat or uh. But it did sort of. And then when I saw him pull up in that four by one, it was a bummer. I'll say that. It just doesn't. It didn't feel right. Yeah. I don't know. I low key. There's only been. Other than Mercy Chalanga, like, who are you really like pulling hard for this year? There's only been a couple like 
emotional letdowns that I've had in watching a track race. And if I'm going to be low-key honest, my most emotional letdown for a track result is is a result that probably 99% of the world was cheering. I was emotionally let down when Justin Gatlin lost to Bolt in 2015. Yeah. Because you probably weren't, and the reason why is I wanted to. That's because you were invested in a take. Yeah, I'm. T- I was invested in the Gat, the fu yeah. win. I wanted him just to be an fu to every virtue signaling runner out there who tweets hashtag clean sport and thinking that they're solving a problem. And I know, like, but that's cheering for a take. I- turning Gatlin into some like, like turning Bolt into a savior and turning Gatlin into the opposite whatever of a savior is and i was like this is all bullshit he's a human being he's having a good year he was he was banned for eight years yeah but but have you ever all this virtue signaling that bolt is saving the sport was bullshit in my mind and i wanted it to end with a i mean i eventually got it kind of in 2017 but it wasn't the same it really won i really wanted to happen in 2015 i know i'm talking about though like actually not not that you're cheering for the take, but you're just cheering for, like, the athlete. I remember Garouge, like, because when you were, you know, when I was growing up, track wasn't on TV all the time. So the only people you knew were, like, the big-time stars. So you heard about this guy, Garouge, who had the mile world record. And he fell in 1996. And that clip got played over and over again. And there was this whole idea that he's, like, carrying the weight of his country on his shoulders, which I don't even know how true that was, but that's what NBC told me. So that's what I believed. So then when he got in 2000, when he got out kicked, I was like, so bummed for him just because I was like, no, he's not like, this isn't supposed to happen. And then when he came back in 04 and one, I was like, I was happy, but that's just because he was the star that they put in front of me. And I just ate it up. Yeah. I guess I was emotionally kind of connected to NAU losing in cross country. <laughs> Because I went and followed the entire team for an entire season doing a documentary Don't on them. Don't say that, Gordon. We just defended you a couple of weeks ago when someone wrote in about how we were biased against BYU. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. But I'm not biased. But, like, I was happy for BYU. Like, from uh, – if I wasn't doing that documentary, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been like, oh, that's awesome The BYU took down mm-hmm. NAU. But because I was doing a documentary, I kind of wanted the documentary to end on a victory, yeah. you know. Anytime something happens that you just don't, you never picture happening, you have this sort of feeling of, well, that's not how the movie's supposed to end. Or my t- favorite TV show is not supposed to go like that. Like that character's not supposed to die. Like that's how you sometimes yeah. sometimes think of it. And um, so you're like disappointed in the loss, but you're also like, wait, what? Like how did that how'd that happen? Another emotional moment I had, I was low-key disappointed when uh... – Paul Chalimo got DQ'd in the World Indoors. Oh, I thought you were going to say it when they thought he got DQ'd at the Olympics. No, no, no. At World Indoors. A lot of those DQs at World Indoors, I was like emotionally kind of like, this is bullshit. Like, let them, you know, do their thing. Yeah, Yeah, I think DQs kind of like, because that's like, I was maybe like, I was not emotionally, emotional is a strong word, but I was like, annoyed when uh Colin Quigley got DQ'd the year that US went one two. Oh, in twenty seventeen? Yeah. Like that could have been a one two three, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh so that was annoying. Um but yeah, you don't want to be too attached I think I would only really be truly attached if like you are like personally friends with this individual, right? Because yeah. then it's like you're cheering for a colleague that you're like legitimately like friends with right or you just hate someone else so bad and you do not want to see them win which yeah i i i do i think i cheer morally more like i said for the take i cheer more for the anger of others as opposed to the joy yeah yeah i'm pretty now i'm pretty separate from it so it's it's easy just to watch it and i think it's a much more healthy relationship with sports as you're saying and maybe it is because it's an individual thing but you can just go and you can appreciate the performances and you're not either on a high or completely destroyed 
when you find the results. I think most people, that's how they view track. That's like one good part of it. You're just like, man, there were a lot of crazy runs today. There were some upsets. Do you think track would be more fun, though, if we were emotionally invested the way we are with our NBA franchises, NFL teams? Yeah. Like if we were emotionally invested in Team USA winning at the Worlds? If mo- yeah, I think if – yeah, if you feel like it's that important, the intensity level ratchets up, people can't – even though it's not healthy, we still do it. And it makes us even want it more and cheer harder for like our other major sports teams, right? Like, you know, you have an unhealthy relationship with the 76ers, but it's not stopping you from checking out every statistic and watching as much as you can of of Sixers. But I, I, I just don't know how do you create that sort of loyalty to an individual sport? It's harder to do. Yeah. And even like that loyalty to, team usa right it's kind of like whenever it's all about just like whenever usa wins something at an olympic level whether it's in track or other sports or world cup when they win it's just like a bonus when they lose you're just like oh okay yeah like every time team usa wins it just feels it's just like extra it's all extra credit yeah yeah it doesn't you don't feel like you're there's no because there's no there's no uh risk in in team USA because you know, America's always going to be around or whatever. So there'll be always another USA match to watch the next four years or the next year. You know, I do remember in the 92 and 96 Olympics, I was really into the swimming because I was swimming and I would get into those relays and, and I would be really upset when team USA didn't win. But then again, I was eight or 12 or whatever. So it's not like I was looking at it the same way, but I saw when they had the anniversary of, that relay where Jason Lezak out touches the guy from France. Do you remember that in that, in the, I guess it would have been the Rio Olympics. That was like super close. Like he, he does, it looks like the, the one with Phelps getting his, when he was going for his eight yeah, medals. And, and eight it's like, yeah. you don't, you can't tell who wins and like, yeah, yeah, that yeah, shot. Yeah. like you watch that and you're like, okay. That was 2008. Oh, was that, oh, geez, why did I think it was 2016? Yeah. Um, you watch that and you could say, Oh yeah, I can totally see why someone would get wrapped in in it. But that's one moment, and it took four years to do that moment. You yeah. need like one of those every, at least every couple months to really sustain that sort of that sort of energy. But I remember the U.S. Australia rivalry in swimming, yeah. and we're gonna smash them like guitars, and they were like making fun of uh, the U.S. team when they beat them. Like that had that had some cool rivalry elements to it, but. It it just doesn't happen enough with the relays and in track the U.S. is usually so good that when they lose it's like oh they dropped the stick that's why they lost. Yeah, I feel like we watch it like, hey, when USA does good does well, we're excited. But ultimately, what we want is the winner to do something incredible. We want them to run fast or throw far, jump high, you know. Like we're able to appreciate Carson Woolholm. Carson Wilhelm doesn't need to be an American for us to appreciate his world record as attempts. Correct. Right? Correct. Ilya Kachogi doesn't need to be an American for us to be glued to our computer screens when he's trying to break two hours. Yeah. You know? Well, and let me ask you this. If the last mile of the Tokyo Marathon goes comes down to a race between Rupp and Kipchoge, who do you think the – fan the track fan not the mainstream fan which turns on but the average track fan who's been paying attention who are they cheering for in america you gotta be cheering for rup you think so i think more people would be cheering for because i think more people were cheering for bolt in america than we're cheering for gatlin or coleman in in the last uh the last go around i get rups hated but not even that but not even that i think it's more just like kipchoge is revered and Kipchoge is seen as like this icon. That it would be. It would be awesome. I think it would be funny if Rupp was the one who took down Kipchoge. I know, but like it's like Federer versus Roddick in the U.S. Yeah, there's gonna be some people who are like are gonna pull, but there are Roger Federer fans just because there's people who are automatically gonna be drawn to the excellence and the greatness of it all. But I don't look at Kipchoge needing anything more. 
Like that's true. I he's allowed to lose now. Like he's done yeah. it. He can lose. Like it's like Legat at age forty. Like he didn't need to get a he didn't need to get a medal at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. He already did it. He he won the Olympic trials at age forty mm-hmm. or whatever. His sixth place finish was enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it there. Anyway. Let us know. Who do you cheer the hardest for in track and field? Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. That should have been a separate episode. We could have done a whole episode on that. I know. Maybe we should cut this in half and just upload the second half tomorrow. No, that would we can't let Lincoln <laughs> off the hook. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. Email yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Email us. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.